What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Law enforcement in this country kills approximately 1,200 people every single year. And yet the names of many are never said or known except for to their families and friends. What's more, law enforcement agencies and other state actors harm our community in a myriad of ways that also go unnoticed, like racial profiling, sexually assaulting, and wrongfully incarcerating our people. If we don't know what's happening, then we can't fight back. We can't adequately organize a response. So every week on Law and Disorder, we are going to do a roundup of news related to state violence. We hope this segment serves to expose, agitate, and build. This is the State Terror Roundup for the week of October 31st, 2022. A federal judge has dismissed a lawsuit by a California prisoner who helped end indefinite solitary confinement in the state penal system, ruling he'd failed to prove that he was sent to solitary confinement because of his political activism. U.S. District Judge William Alsup issued a summary judgment in favor of the state prison system and various officials sued by 59-year-old Todd Ashker, who filed his lawsuit in late 2020. Asker alleged that he was sent to a segregated housing unit, or SHU, in Kern Valley State Prison because prison guards and administrators were angry at him over his 2009 lawsuit and 2011 corresponding statewide prison hunger strike, which resulted in a settlement agreement barring the state from placing people in solitary cells over alleged gang membership. Source, Nate Gartrell, The Mercury News. A former Contra Costa Sheriff's deputy who was serving a six-year prison term for murdering a man on the job in 2018 hmm, will not face additional charges for fatally shooting 33-year-old Tyrell Wilson last year. Andrew Hall, 33, was convicted last year of assault in the fatal murder of 32-year-old Latimer Arboleta during a slow-speed police chase through Danville, California. But now, District Attorney Diana Becton, who, by the way, ran as a progressive last election and is widely considered part of the progressive prosecutor block in this country, has decided her office can't prove beyond a reasonable doubt that Hall broke the law when he fatally shot Wilson, who was holding a knife during a March 2021 confrontation. Both Wilson and Arboleta suffered from mental health issues, according to multiple family members who have criticized Hall for not de-escalating the situation. Of course, Hall, a police officer, shouldn't be responding to folks in mental health crisis in the first place. In the Arboleta murder, Hall fired several shots into a slow-moving vehicle, then continued to shoot as it passed him by. Civil rights attorney John Burris, who represented Wilson's family during a federal lawsuit against Hall and the sheriff's office, said he was disappointed by the news. Mike Raines, on the other hand, the attorney who makes millions of dollars defending killer cops, called it welcome news and affirmation that Hall used lawful self-defense. Source, Nate Gartrell, The Mercury News. Thanks, Nate. And what is going on with District Attorney Becton? She has also cleared Richmond police officers of criminal liability in the 2020 death of a man who was held down by four to five officers restrained in a system called a wrap device, then injected with a drug to calm him down. Jose Luis Lopez died in the hospital on March 19, 2020, two days after medical personnel revived him. He had stopped breathing while being transported by ambulance while he was in the wrap device. It took about 11 officers to detain Lopez, who was tased and struck with batons before being placed in the wrap. In the March 2020 autopsy conducted by the Contra Costa County Sheriff's Coroner's Office, the forensic pathologist determined the cause of death to be complications from cocaine toxicity, but noted 
y'all. Extensive injuries consistent with blows from batons and pressure and blunt force to the abdomen, according to the report. Source, Sabrina Pascua, San Francisco Chronicle. Also note to the folks, numerous studies have found that the safety claims made by the company who makes the wrap device are mostly anecdotal, as they do their own safety testing and claim 100% safety, which no product on the face of the planet can actually claim. The company also blames the numerous deaths that have resulted after people have been placed in the wrap device on law enforcement officers not using the product correctly. After 25 years on the market, more than 10,000 wraps are in use across the United States and Canada, according to Safe Restraints, the manufacturer. Institutions that use the restraint include police departments, juvenile facilities, hospitals, stadiums, and parks. Capital of Maine identified 10 lawsuits brought by families of people who died in police custody during incidents involving the wrap since 2000. Most of these lawsuits allege officers use excessive force and do not cite the restraint itself as the cause of death, though activists have pointed out the consistency of this problem. Many of the people who died in these incidents had pre-existing physical or mental health conditions, and some were intoxicated. Most suffered cardiac arrest or stopped breathing while restrained in the wrap. Dewan Armstrong, who was murdered inside of Santa Rita Jail, was also put in a wrap device. Source, Angelica Abaladejo for Capital and Maine. Overdose deaths are skyrocketing in New York City jails, and the correction commissioner says banning physical letters is a way to stop it. Commissioner Luis Molina said at a city council hearing last Tuesday that fentanyl-soaked children's drawings, love letters, prayer schedules, and t-shirts have been shipped to detainees. To address that, he plans to hire a vendor to scan letters and distribute them to detainees digitally on tablets. Molina also said he may restrict packages so they only come from approved vendors. Such restrictions would mirror the practice in the state correctional system. But city Council members were skeptical that most drugs come through the mail and believe that correction officers must be screened as aggressively as visitors to keep them from bringing in drugs to sell to detainees. Good on the city council. Source WNYC Radio. And folks, this comes as correction officer Crystal Burrell pleaded guilty to bribery in New York federal court, admitting that she accepted nearly $10,000 in bribe payments in exchange for smuggling contraband in a Rikers Island. And on August 16, 2022, New York City correction officer Officer Katrina Patterson pleaded guilty to bribery, admitting that she accepted more than $34,000 in bribe payments in exchange for smuggling contraband into Rikers Island. Burrell and Patterson are employed by the New York City Department of Corrections. Source, U.S. Attorney's Office, Department of So-Called Justice. The court hearing on whether North Carolina Sheriff Jody Green should be removed from office as the sheriff of Columbus County ended Monday, just minutes after it started. In front of a courtroom filled at capacity, Green's attorney announced that the county's first Republican sheriff had resigned. Green has been suspended from office since October 4th, but nonetheless has been campaigning for re-election. Green faced wide-ranging allegations of misconduct in office, including malicious arrests, intimidating county commissioners, and sexual harassment. Green denies all of the allegations against him. If he wins the election next month, local district attorney John David will revive his effort to get the former sheriff removed from office. David asked the State Bureau of Investigation in late September to begin a probe into possible obstruction of justice by Green and his deputies. The impetus was a recording published by Wilmington TV station WECT in which Green called African-American deputies, quote, snakes, end quote, and quote, black bastards, end quote. Green was elected in 2018 by a narrow margin, 37 votes out of more than 18,000 counted, but investigations into allegations of illegal ballot gathering by a political operative working for Green's campaign and questions about whether Green actually lived in Columbus County put the final results in limbo for months. Source, Carly Brousseau, The News and Observer. 
a Maricopa County Superior Court judge and her staff mocked and ridiculed people during hearings and trials by routinely emailing each other cruel and obscene statements, jokes, and memes. The conduct happened in major felony cases, including high-profile capital murders. Emails and internal records obtained by ABC 15 show no one was off-limits. Defendants, their families, jurors, witnesses, attorneys, and even other court employees and top court officials. The judge was Aaron O'Brien Otis. She and her staff were also accused of regularly having inappropriate contact and communication with defendants, according to confidential complaints and sealed documents. Multiple legal experts say the, quote, astonishing and horrific, end quote, conduct by Otis and her staff clearly violates state ethical rules and judicial codes. The Arizona Commission that investigates judges dismissed a detailed complaint with evidence and scrubbed Otis's name from their final findings. During their investigation, Otis was simply allowed to resign. In addition to the memes and emails mocking people in court, it stated Otis and her staff manipulated the judicial performance review process, had daily ex parte communications with defendants, and even held a birthday party for the son of a six-time convicted defendant before his sentencing. Otis and her staff had largely avoided any discipline and public accountability until she finally received an admonishment, read slap on the wrist, from the state bar on October 20th, 2022. Source, ABC News 15. And in a move no doubt plucked from the San Francisco coup of the San Francisco District Attorney's Office, Pennsylvania Republicans announced Wednesday plans to impeach and potentially move from office Philadelphia District Attorney Larry Krasner, a national leader among progressive prosecutors who was overwhelmingly reelected last year. Krasner is not accused of committing a crime, nor do his critics allege corruption. Instead, they accuse him of dereliction of duty for what they say is a failure to adequately enforce criminal laws, leading to rising crime rates and declining quality of life for Philadelphians. Hey, San Francisco, does that sound familiar? The extraordinary move, not so extraordinary, the state legislature has impeached only two officials in its entire history in 1994 and 1811 comes just two weeks before a midterm election in which Republicans have focused on crime while Democrats have highlighted threats to democracy from politicians willing to defy elections. Source NBC News. And because the left deserves a good laugh now and again, we end with a woman who used bees to prevent the eviction of Alton King Jr., a 79-year-old retiree who had lived at his address for decades. He'd spent the past few years fighting for closure, and in a last-ditch effort to save his sprawling home, he was at the courthouse that morning to ask a judge for a stay. The battle had garnered the attention of local activists devoted to fighting unlawful foreclosures, and a handful of them were outside at his house to protest. The deputies were waiting for King to return when a blue SUV with a landscaping trailer peeled into the driveway. Rory Woods stepped out from behind the wheel and walked to the rear of the trailer, which carried a half dozen wooden boxes. With a pair of reading glasses draped around the collar of her purple fleece, she began to shake the boxes because with the temperature in the low 50s, it was too cold for the honeybees inside to fly without a little coaxing. A deputy, realizing what she was about to unleash, tried to stop her, but a bee stung him in the face, forcing him to retreat. The maneuver bought Woods enough time to pull on a beekeeper suit with a vented hood that covered her face and roll one of the hives off the trailer and up to the entryway of King's house. Three more officers marched forward to stop her, but they too were stung by the cloud of bees and fell back. Nearly 30 minutes later, one officer managed to handcuff her as the protesters cheered, we're with you, Rory. One yelled, she called back to another, telling her to take care of Zeke. Nearly 30 minutes later, one officer managed to handcuff her as the protesters cheered, we're with you, Rory. One yelled, she called back 
back to another telling her to take care of Ziki, her Chihuahua, Basinji mix that had been sitting in her vehicle as the chaos unfolded. As the officer led Woods to a cruiser, he told her that he and several officers were allergic to bees. Oh, you're allergic. Good. She allegedly replied. Source, James D. Walsh, the intelligencer. This has been the State Terror Roundup for the week of October 31st, 2022. State Terror Roundup soundtrack provided by Coffee Brown, an Oakland musician, singer, and songwriter who has been a force in the Bay Area's hip-hop and soul scene since the early 90s. You can check her out at kofybrown.com and... Her website and socials are linked from our site at kpfa.org. Shout out to my producer, Jesse Strauss, for helping me curate the content for this segment. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Raskin of Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam.